All right. Nehemiah 1 through 6, very straightforward chronological account of the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. Within a 10-month period of time, Nehemiah is called by God to rebuild the walls. He gets permission from the king, his name is Artaxerxes, to return to Jerusalem, which is 900 miles away, to, to rebuild the walls. He, ta- he travels, it takes him four months. He gets the people together and says, hey, let's do this work. The work itself only takes 52 days, which is it's remarkable, maybe not quite miraculous, maybe it is, I don't know. It's definitely a remarkable feat in 52 days that you've got a group of guys that have never built a wall before. They build, rebuild this wall, eight, nine feet thick, 30, 40 feet tall, 1.6 miles around the city of Jerusalem. The second half of Nehemiah is not quite as tight. It's more disjointed, and so we're going to jump around over the next uh, three or four weeks as we finish up our look at Ezra and Nehemiah. Today we're going to look at what the, the Jews did as soon as they finished the wall. What was the first thing that they did? So this is chapter 6, just two verses from chapter 6, and then we'll look at chapter 12. When all our, excuse me, so the wall was completed on the 25th day of Elul, that's October 2nd, if I remember right, in 52 days. When all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized this work had been done with the help of our God. So the first thing they do is they dedicate the wall. Now I'm going to read about 20 verses from chapter 12, and I'm going to skip a lot of it. I, I can't say the names and you don't know the people and we'll just, we're going to move on. So at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, the Levites were sought out from where they lived and were brought to Jerusalem to celebrate joyfully the dedication with songs of thanksgiving, with the music of cymbals, harps, and lyres. The musicians were also brought together from the region around Jerusalem, for the musicians had built villages for themselves around Jerusalem. When the priests and Levites have purified themselves ceremonially, they purified the people, the gates, and the wall. I had the leaders of Judah go up on top of the wall. I also assigned two large choirs to give thanks. One was to proceed on top of the wall to the right towards the Dung Gate. Hoshahiah and half the leaders of Judah followed them, along with these other guys, as well as some priests with trumpets and also Zechariah and his associates with the musical instruments prescribed by David, the man of God. Ezra, the teacher of the law, led the procession. At the fountain gate, they continued directly up the steps of the city of David on the ascent to the wall and passed above the site of David's palace to the water gate on the east. The second choir proceeded in the opposite direction. I followed them on top of the wall together with half the people. Past the tower of the ovens to the broad wall over the gates of Ephraim, the Jeshaniah gate, the fish gate, the tower of Hananel, the tower of the hundred as far as the sheep gate. At the gate of the guard, they stopped. The two choirs that gave thanks then took their places in the house of God, and so did I, together with half the officials, as well as the priests. The choirs sang under the direction of Jezrahiah, and on that day they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing because God had given them great joy. The women and children also rejoiced. The sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. So most of that's lost on us. We can't picture the geography of Jerusalem, and we don't know any of those people or places. There's a rendering there on the screen. I know it's a little small. It's the best thing that I could find. So just in your mind, the wall is completed, and then the first thing they do is they dedicate this wall to God. So Nehemiah calls together Levites. You can think worship leaders. And then he, he pulls together two choirs. And he sends them out in opposite directions around the wall. One clockwise, one counterclockwise, one to the right, one to the left, however you want to say that. So you've got worship leaders, 
choir and then just some of the local leaders. We don't know who they were or what their significance was, but they also walked around the top of the wall. Remember, the wall is eight feet thick. It's, it's at least, it, it's, the, it's the width of the sidewalk outside for sure. So it is really tall, 30 to 40 feet, but it's wide. So they, they, can, they can make it around, I guess, unless they're afraid of heights. So you've got some guys who are going around and they each go about halfway to the temple. And then they, everybody, the, all of the people, you got the two choirs plus the, all of the people who are gathered there to dedicate the wall. It's time of great celebration Enjoy Again, all of those details kind of get lost on us, but just keep in mind, walls completed, wall is dedicated, dedication ceremony is a time of great joy. What I want us focused on today is that idea of dedication. It's something we looked at uh, at the beginning of the year in January during our 21-day fast, but for me, it's something I have to revisit on a regular basis. It's easy for me to lose sight of things that I have dedicated to the Lord. I kind of tend to take those things back over time, not necessarily intentionally and deliberately, but just kind of the ebb and flow of life. I find myself taking ownership of things that I've previously released to the Lord, and I'm wondering if you do the same thing as well. So here we are moving into summer, new season, about halfway through the year, just a, a bit of a timeout, regroup, reevaluate. Where am I? Where are you in terms of dedication to the Lord? When I think about dedication, this, the, the scripture that comes most readily to mind, Romans 12, 1, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice to the Lord. It's holy and pleasing to him. This is your spiritual act of worship. That's that idea there. You probably heard somebody say living sacrifices. The issue with them is they tend to crawl off the altar. And that's kind of what I want us looking at today. Uh, there are some places where maybe you've crawled off the altar or in that put tug of war with God. We, again, that push and pull, and we kind of pull things back. Again, not necessarily intentionally and deliberately, but just in the course of life, we find ourselves pulling some things back from him that we have initially given. So that's what I want us to talk about today. A couple of preliminary matters. What is dedication? Just to get us all on the same page. To dedicate something to the Lord is to commit it to him for his use and for his glory or honor. To dedicate something to the Lord is to, is to commit it to him for his use and for his glory and for his honor. If you think about Jesus as king, he's not just our savior, he's also our king. Dedication falls under that umbrella of Jesus' kingship. To dedicate something to the Lord is to acknowledge, Jesus, you rule, you reign, you call the shots in this area of my life. What do we dedicate? In Nehemiah, it's a wall. Rarely for us is it a thing. You're not necessarily dedicating your car to the Lord. or your, I mean, you can do that, and it's great. But in general, it's, it's, it's I think, more heart level. Again, that idea from Romans 12, 1, offer your bodies. There is a physical component. Paul in Romans 6 says, don't offer your bodies to sin, instruments of wickedness. Offer your bodies to God as instruments of righteousness. And you can, uh, that's an easy thing to think about when we're thinking about sin. We think about the sins of our body. We, we commit sins with our mouth. We gossip. We slander. We backbite. We create strife. All of those are sins of the tongue, sins of our mouth. We, all manner of sexual immorality, that's sins of our body. Drunkenness, gluttony, those are sins of our body. 
And so we don't want to offer our body to sin, instruments of righteousness. We want to dedicate our bodies to the Lord for him to use. Uh, excuse me, as instruments of wickedness. We want to dedicate our bodies to the Lord so he can use them as instruments of righteousness. But if the background for this idea of living sacrifices is the temple, and it is, when a, when a Jew would bring a, a sheep or a cow to, uh, to, to the temple to, to offer it to the Lord, that animal was killed. That's kind of the way it worked with the sacrifice. The animal was killed. So to offer the animal's body was to offer the animal's life. And so I think thinking about ourselves as a living sacrifice, yes, your body, I would say this is this ages me, but I would say particularly for those of you under 30, probably one of the most radical decisions you can make is to dedicate your sexuality to the Lord. Absolutely. But for all of us, thinking not just body, but thinking life. So for me, when I think about dedication, I think about the things that take up space in my mind and in my heart. So my primary relationships, my job, y'all, this congregation, my future. Maybe you think about time. Maybe you think about money. What are the things that take up space in your mind and in your heart? And the question today is, have you dedicated those things to the Lord? Not in the past, but on June 6th, 1006. Are those things fully dedicated to him? Are you living, acknowledging Jesus' kingship over that area of your life? Or has that thing maybe crawled off the altar? in the last few months. A couple of things from Nehemiah. One, dedication is always a response to God's activity. We can sometimes feel like dedicating something to the Lord that's heroic on our part, like, look what I did, I'm a great Christian. Nope. All we're doing is responding to God's prior activity. Nehemiah 6.16, the wall was built with the help of God. God is the one who called Nehemiah to do the work, God is the one who gave Nehemiah favor with the king, not just permission to return to Jerusalem, but also access to the royal lumber yard so there were materials to rebuild the wall. God is the one who protected the Israelites when the surrounding nations all were trying to discourage and intimidate them. The wall was built with the help of God. So what they're dedicating to God is something that God helped them do in the first place. Romans 12:1, in light or in view of God's mercies. Dedic offer yourself. Our offering of ourselves, our dedicating of our lives is a response to the mercies of God, the fact that he's forgiven us of our sins, the fact that he's adopted us into his family as sons and daughters, the fact that he's given us his spirit, among other things. We're, uh, we're always responding. God is always initiating. And I would say dedication is the appropriate response. It's not an optional extra for super Christians. It's something that all of us should be doing on a regular basis if Jesus is, in fact, our king. And if he's not our king, he's not our savior either. It's both and. So what does it look like for you, for me, to dedicate our lives to the Lord? Implicit in dedication is trust. And that's the rub for us. To dedicate something to the Lord is to entrust him with that thing. What we're saying is, I'm committing this to you for your use, which then means it's not for my use. For your glory, which then means it's not for my glory. You get to call the shots in this area. And those things that are so precious to us, those things that take our heart and mind space, those are difficult for us to release to him because we don't know what he's going to do with it. 
If we could step back and think, most of us make decisions with our emotions, not with our, with our mind. If we could step back and think, we would go, who better? Who better to trust with these precious things than Jesus? He's smarter than me. He's stronger than me. He's more righteous than me. He's more benevolent than me. He's more just than me. He's more gracious than I am. He's more patient than I am. Why in the world would I not give him the things that are the most important to me? Why would I think I can do a better job? That's dumb. But I do it all the time. And I'm betting you do too. It's human nature. Those things that are the most precious. The things that if we were thinking, we would say, who better to be the king of this relationship? Who better to be the king of this circumstance? Who better to be king of, this fut- of my future than the one who can actually see into the future? The one who's gracious and kind and patient. Who better? But then we tend to pull those things back and say, "Ah, I'll give it a shot. Dedication is always an expression of trust. And again, that's the rub for us. Paul says in view of God's mercies, God reveals his character through his actions. He could have just as easily said, because God is merciful. We know who God is based on what God has done. He's revealed himself uh, through his actions. So again, knowing who God is, why would we not entrust him with these things that are so precious to us? I think about that wall. I'm shifting a little bit this idea of trust. I think about that wall and what that meant to the Jews. When Nehemiah is called, remember his brother comes to him. And Nehemiah says to his brother, tell me what's going on in Jerusalem. Nehemiah lives 900 miles away in a town called Susa. And his brother says, we're in great distress and great trouble because the wall has been torn down. They're in danger. And so they get this wall rebuilt. And how easy would it be for them to put their their trust in that wall? This nice eight foot thick, 30 foot tall wall that surrounds their city. How easy would it be for them to do that? The first thing they do is dedicate it to the Lord. Not in their generation, probably their grandparents' generation, 150 years before, there was a much better wall around Jerusalem. It looked better and it was sturdier. It didn't help when the Babylonians came. They yanked it down. Because in that moment, God had decided, I'm not going to protect my people anymore. I'm going to punish them. So he withdraws his hand. It doesn't matter how thick the wall is. And these people, they understood that. This group, they understood. They'd heard those stories from their parents and their great-parents, their grandparents and their great-grandparents. They got it. We can't trust in the brick and mortar. It's not enough if God withdraws his hand. So God, we built this wall with your help. We're We're dedicating it back to you. We recognize you're our fortress and you're our strength. This thing is great, but it's nothing without you. What do you lean on when you're in a jam? You need to get something done. For me, I tend to roll, I, I lean on my charm. <laughs> Why are y'all laughing? You don't think, apparently, y'all don't think I'm very charming. What do you lean on to get you out of a fix? What do you lean on when you need to make something happen when you're feeling squeezed? Your intelligence, your charm, your money, your grit, your perseverance, your hard work. What is it? What's the wall for you? The thing that you can tend to trust in. That needs to be dedicated also. 
We don't just dedicate all these other areas of our life, those things that take up our heart and our mind space. Absolutely. It's also important to dedicate those, those good things that God has given to us. Those strengths. Many of you have taken strength, strength finder with us. And when we talk about your strengths in the flesh and in the spirit, that's kind of what I'm talking about. What are those good things that God has given to you? Have you dedicated those things back to him? Do you recognize the temptation and the tendency to trust in that versus trusting in him? It's going to get you in trouble. Without his hand on it, it's just a pile of rocks. They can easily be pulled down. There's always somebody smarter. There's always somebody stronger. There's always somebody who works harder. If that's what we're relying on, it's it's not going to get us there at the end of the day. Last thing, and then we're going to close with a time of response. Worship, excuse me, dedication and joy go hand in hand. This is that last verse, verse 43. And on that day they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing first time because God had given them great joy twice. The women and children also rejoiced, three, the sound of rejoicing, four, in Jerusalem could be heard far away. Two sentences, joy, rejoicing, four times. Nehemiah wants us to get it. This was a time of celebration. When we think of dedicating, that can feel solemn to us, and they did consecrate themselves, but it's a holy moment. Giving something significant to the Lord, that is a holy moment, but holiness and joy are not mutually exclusive. Joy is a state of great delight that's rooted in our relationship with God, that's not based on our external circumstances. That's the primary difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is based on our external circumstances, and joy is based on our relationship with God. That's why we can be commanded to rejoice always. How do you do that? How do you rejoice when you're sad? How do you rejoice when you're frustrated? How do you rejoice when you're disappointed? You can't be happy in those times because happiness is based on your circumstances. But you can be joyful during those times because joy is rooted in your relationship with God and those circumstances don't change that. Those circumstances don't push you out of relationship with the Lord. And so what we see here, even in a time where it may be scary, God, for me to dedicate my children to you, that's scary when I think about what that means. They're yours. You get to decide what's best for them, not me. You get to decide what their future looks like, not me. In in the midst of the trepidation of dedicating something precious to you to the Lord, you can still experience joy because your joy is grounded in your relationship with Him. And actually, when you're dedicating that thing to the Lord, that relationship, that circumstance, whatever it is, you're expressing trust in Him which strengthens your relationship. It increases your level of joy. Joy and dedication go hand in hand. Yes, it can't, it's a holy moment for sure. Holiness and joy are not mutually exclusive. You may, you may have some troubling feelings in that moment. Again, fear or concern, but recognize joy can be underneath all of that. It's rooted in your conscious relationship with God. So here's how we're going to close. Two things we're going to do. Uh, the band's going to come back and we're going to uh, have two closing songs. And the first one is a time of dedication. And the second one is a time of celebration. We're going to practice what we just saw here. We're going to dedicate and celebrate together. So for this first song, I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer. And then I want you, as the Holy Spirit leads you, to come forward and either stand or kneel here at the front as a physical sign of you dedicating whatever it is that he puts his finger on. And he's not going to put his finger on 12 things. That's too much for 
one morning. The one, the one thing that he says, that thing is starting to crawl off the altar. You're starting to pull that one back from me. We want you this morning, if you're willing, come forward, stand or kneel, offer that back to the Lord. Rededicate that thing to him. And we'll, we'll do that for a few minutes, and then uh, we'll all go back to our seats, and we'll close with a song of worship. Again, being reminded that dedication and joy go hand in hand. Worship is a great expression of joy for us. Good? Band, you guys can come back. Everyone, y'all pray with me if you're willing. If you're watching online, I'd love for you to do this as well. If you feel like the Lord is leading you to rededicate something and you're able, I would say, in your living room, wherever you're watching, to kneel as an outward expression of this inner heart posture. So pray this along with me. Holy Spirit, search me, know me. What's crawling off the altar? What am I pulling back? Where am I usurping Jesus' rightful place as king? And see what it brings to mind. And maybe even say this, God, this makes me nervous. The reason I pulled this thing back, it's hard for me to, it's hard, it's hard. This thing is super important to me. This relationship, whatever, is super important to me. With my mind, I trust you. I know you're better. I know you are. I know you'll do better with it than I will. It's difficult for me day in and day out to live that way. So I need help. Holy Spirit, would you help me? Today, as a, a marker, I want to rededicate this to you. And I'm asking for help tomorrow to walk that out. So Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you speak to us? Would you encourage us? Would you, even if necessary, pry our fingers off of the things that we tend to hold on to so tightly? And I pray in the midst of that, as scary as that may be, that every one of us would know the deep and profound joy that comes from trusting you more fully and completely. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys go ahead and come forward. And once you feel like you've kind of taken care of what you need to up here, you can just go back. If this place gets full, just wait, just wait a minute and we'll, we'll, we won't rush. We'll make sure that everybody has an opportunity to respond. So you guys go ahead and come forward. And then we'll close with worship.